Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Larissa here from the Salon Owners Collective. Thank you for joining me today. I want to ask you, have you ever thought about opening a second salon? Maybe you're super excited by the opportunity of having more than one business. Maybe you thrive on adrenaline and enjoy the chase of success, the thrill of growing a business and having a clear purpose in life. I certainly know that this this was my journey. And I want to share my journey with you today when I opened my second salon. And it was in the first four to five years of being in business. Now, I was crazy. Yes, I actually was. I started my business when I was 20 years old, six months out of my apprenticeship. And I think that that was a good thing because I was young and naive. And because of that naivety, I didn't know any different. I didn't know that I couldn't do this and my uh couldn't do this as in being in business let alone opening a second business so i want to take you through that journey and uh, give you some insight into my crazy world that i created for myself having two salons lasted two or three years i think now and uh, i want to walk you through that journey so you can learn from those mistakes that i made those mistakes that led me to being way overwhelmed, way overcommitted, actually underconfident, and always the sense of fear, fear of being seen as a fraud, because I didn't actually know what the heck I was doing. I was trying really hard, uh, but I didn't really know what I was doing. But I was addicted to the excitement of growing having a really clear purpose, and I could just see the opportunities exciting opportunities all around me. I remember driving down the street and just having this sort of this vision of everything that I looked at, I could see opportunity. And that's a wonderful, exciting, exhilarating place to be. You don't need drugs. You don't need to drink alcohol and be on drugs when you feel like that. And I was driven by that purpose. I wanted to be profitable. I wanted to have purpose and importance because uh, I wanted to enjoy a lifestyle that I'd never experienced before. Uh, growing up as a kid, uh, we weren't poor, but we certainly weren't wealthy. Uh, my parents were separated. My mom was a single mum on a teacher's salary. And so we didn't go without, but we didn't have excess of anything. Uh, money was always a, con uh, a conversation of we couldn't afford this, that, and the other. And I wanted to have a life um, of more. I could see there was more to be had, and I wanted a piece of that. That's a really exciting place to be, right? The reality was, though, that I was too young, naive, and inexperienced, which I think, you know, was to my benefit and to my credit, as well as, it, as you know, looking back at that now, I think, oh, 
Larissa, what were you doing? <laughs> Although I wouldn't be where I am today having not had those experiences for sure. I made so many mistakes and I worked myself into a corner far too many times. Like I remember five times in particular that I wanted to sell, not because I'd achieve a, le a level of success, uh, but because I was, I just wanted to get the hell out. I was overworked, overwhelmed, and I simply hated the place that I had got myself into and I couldn't see a way out. And in fact, what in those particular times, what stopped me from selling at that time was the fear of the process of selling was just very slightly stronger than the fear that I held just staying where I was and dealing with the shit that was coming my way. Do you know? So I think to my credit, I had grit and I was brave. Uh, bravery and naivety is sometimes good maybe sometimes not. <laughs> it certainly didn't come from arrogance, just drive, grit, determination, um, in addition to this addiction to progress, movement forward. So from that first opening at 20, let me just talk you through the journey of the mindset of a 20-year-old who then goes three or four years later, five years later, goes and opens a second salon. Um, not too long into my business journey, I came across a coaching company who I have to say, you know, uh, was the catalyst to my growth because I was very lucky to have a dad who was in business who could really help me and mentored me in those first years, mostly on the very practical, tactical things, budgets, Excel spreadsheets, GST returns and lease negotiations, all of those sort of functional things that I needed to uh, I needed help with to get off the ground, but it was the coaching business that I got involved in that really opened my eyes to what was possible and that there were strategies out there that I could learn and I could put into place that would make a difference to my business. I was on a high. Like I said before, it was like being on drugs, do you know? Um, it was exhilarating and I just thrived in that learning process and the implementation process, do you know, I was never an A student. I was never a great student. I was distracted, uh, not confident in school. And uh, the way that school was taught never resonated with me. I always uh, found it hard to learn in that classroom environment that it was. But when I went to, came into this coaching environment and I was coached specifically around things that I was interested in that were mine, AKA my business, I became an avid learner. I was addicted to learning information. And uh, it was that, I guess, kind of this opening and peeling open of what was possible that led me to even sort of, even sort of uh, think about the idea of opening another business. Now, just remember at this point, I was not profitable. My end of year books were, were telling me that I was making a $20,000 profit. And I was uh, taking drawings, not wages. I was taking home $300 a week for many, many years in the early days of my business, which is just a pittance even back then. Um, but I didn't understand that. I didn't really understand what that meant. I'd bought myself a car and I was, you know, for a young person, I was quite happy with my lot. I got the things that I needed to get and uh, I was living, you know, an independent lifestyle, which is, you know, when you're 20 to 25, it's all you want, really. Um, so I was happy enough, but I wasn't profitable. And I certainly wasn't profitable enough to uh, launch into opening my second business. But 
that was not the mindset at the time. I was uh, addicted to success and moving forward and interesting opportunities. So I actually got the idea of opening a second business when I went to speak to a woman who had a, a, a salon in the city who was, I think, selling her product because she had changed product brands and I was going to buy the old product. And uh, in that experience of walking into someone else's business who talked me through her business and I last asked lots of questions and we talked about changing brands, that experience in itself um, opened my eyes to what was possible, different types of salons uh, that were possible. And eventually, funnily enough, I didn't buy her salon off her, but I moved into that location. I don't remember if she sold it or she just moved out, but I moved into that location for my second salon. Um, but that sparked the idea of even contemplating having two businesses. Of course, I was far too young and inexperienced to really make a good go of it, but, um, I loved it and I thrived on it and I grew a, a team, I think of four or five in that business at the time. I was still on the floor a, a day a week in each of the salons. And so I would drive between, there was probably a 30 minute drive between each location. One was in the CBD, that was the new one. And the original salon was in one of the suburbs of Wellington here in New Zealand. And um, I could start to see the growth potential in the city salon. And I had a team of uh, between five and seven out in the suburb salon, and that was going well. It was, you know, thriving, and I had some good team members in there. But I could see this whole new level of potential inside of this city location. First, it was in the CBD, a different caliber of clientele, which also attracted a different caliber of employee. I could get a much more experienced um, employee who was driven for success in a completely different way in that city salon. And that little city, sal city salon grew quite quickly. We grew to that sort of five to six team members within a short space of time. Uh, because of course, like anything, there is, you know, there's a network that goes on and people, uh, the team that I originally brought on uh, told their friends and they came and what a great place it was to work. Uh, but I was driving backwards and forwards between two locations. I was on a day in the salon, on the floor, in each of those places. I had systems and processes, and I tried to keep them together. But I really had two different cultures developing purely because of the physical location and the type of team member that was attracted to each type of location. The person that wants to have their hair done or wants to work in the suburbs is a different person that, that works in the CBD. And so try as I might, uh, and of course I didn't quite have the experience in team and human management at that time, um, I always felt that those team members in the CBD business, they were, they were actually ahead of me in terms of experience, in terms of real life experience, they had more experience with me. And being young, that sort of affected my ability to manage them. I later learned how to sort that out. But in any case, <laughs> um, after two or three years of running backwards and forwards, I was exhausted. Um, I, was, I had that place systemized, but I didn't have the control that I really needed. And I would have one salon ring me and say, um, when you come over, can you bring a bottle of 20 vol? Actually, we're going to run out of it 
uh, today, can you drive the 20 volt over and I'd hop in my car and I'd drive them a bottle of 20 volt. I mean, honestly, what was I thinking? But in any case, <laughs> at some point, I realized what was possible and where we could take the business in the, in the CBD. I realized that I had probably now outgrown the suburb salon, not because it couldn't be successful, but because my desire and my vision of what I wanted my business to be like had now developed and changed. And so I, I think it was the year 2000, I packed up both locations um, and we moved into a brand new third location, I guess, because both neither salon was big enough to take the merged team. And when I merged that team, I think I only lost one or two people because they didn't want to come into the city. We immediately on day one had a team of 20. So uh, I must have had roughly 10 in each salon. And what was interesting about that was that, um, again, immediately, we were out of space. 20 people, I had underestimated how many humans could fit into the space. I had the right number of stations, but physically to house 20 people, it was a nightmare. <laughs> we already outgrew that space immediately. So, uh, but it gave us a new lease of life. We were in a new location. It was a brand lease, brand lease, newly scrubbed up, brand new salon. Uh, we had taken over an existing location, which is what I had done each and every time. The first salon, I took over an existing salon. The second CBD salon, took over an existing salon. The third CBD salon, where we merged and brought the two together, was an existing salon. And that really was to my advantage. Uh, someone had moved out or gone out of business, I can't remember now. And we just took over that space. And immediately we, we sort of had an uplift in the whole brand. New location, new team brought together and it gave us a new lease of life. We started to grow and having that team together and to be able to have one set of rules and the one way that we did things, this is how we do it here. We grew, we thrived. And this is when I first it was in those days in that particular location, it was the Harbour City Centre was the, was the um, not the mall, but it was the building that we were in, right in the CBD on the ground floor, it was when I first won the Global Salon Business Award. And it was our, we changed to L'Oreal as our primary uh, supplier. We were their number one account in the Wellington region. And they nominated us for um, this Global uh, Global Salon Business Award. And when I first got the nomination, I've, I mean, I just fell off my chair. It never occurred to me that what we were doing was forward thinking, innovative. You know, when you're in your own goldfish bowl, you're just doing what you're doing. I had moved away from that particular coaching, early coaching company, but those same systems and processes and way of thinking of doing business had really stuck with me. And I guess the, the CEO uh, or the GM of L'Oreal could see that in the way that we were doing business um, and had nominated us. So I put together the submission and in my, again, my own sort of naive way of what it is that we were doing. And so you imagine the disbelief when we won uh, the, the Global Business Award for New Zealand um, and I got, I think the first location was London, I traveled to and uh, received that award. But I really think that had we not merged the two business and businesses and really had, I remember at the time thinking, I just need to stop and consolidate. I need to stop 
not stop growing, but stop bringing in new ideas and new practices and trying to grow for growth sake. I just needed to consolidate all of the things that we were doing. We had a whole bunch of cans open, if you will, and I needed to finish the cans, close them off, consolidate and bring the business together. And that clearly paid off. And I think that first Global Salon Business Award was the first sign to me as the CEO that we were doing the right stuff and that we were heading in the right direction and that actually we've probably got something going on here. And growth continued just to spout from that moment on. I, I think for me that was a confidence tick that what we were doing really meant something. And that confidence tick gave me the momentum I needed to continue to grow and uh, no longer feel like, get me the hell out of here, I need to sell this place. Um, <laughs> so I think sometimes, you know, you need the little bit of validation that what you're doing is you're heading in the right direction and, uh, and that, that there is a future in what you're doing because it can be bleak sometimes, right? So uh, I forget the timeline now, but a couple of years later, I guess, out of when we came out of that lease, um, or had the opportunity to come out of that lease, we, we relocated yet again, because uh, we, I think we had stayed around the 20 mark, 20 team members, because we simply couldn't grow a hell of a lot more. It was those times in that, in that tiny space that I learned how to wield an Excel spreadsheet and, and become a roster machine. Like we had to work all of the hours, four late nights, six days a week. Christmas time, we opened Sundays because we physically couldn't fit all of the people that I had employed. And uh, I really learned how to maximize space uh, and smart rostering and, and get your team on board to work the hours that needed to be worked. And so moving into our, I guess now fourth location, which was also the first time that uh, I had fit out a business from scratch. That location prior was actually a clothing store. So I had to do the floor, I had to do the plumbing, and I had to do everything from scratch. It was so exciting. But that up level and that increase in space allowed us to grow from a team of 20 to a team of 30. Uh, and when I sold, actually, when I sold, we were back to a team of seven. Just on a side note, when we went from 27 to 30, I remember saying to my 2IC, man, this, this has become a beast now. This breaks us. This was just almost like it was three people too many for the current infrastructure. Um, and we subsequently kind of went back to 27. Um, do you know, sometimes growth breaks things. And mostly that's a good thing because it allows you to sort of rebuild and, and relook at your systems and processes or the, or the business model even. Um, but that's, but more importantly, back to the point of uh, when we relocated, it allowed us to have this next step up in growth. And we went from just reaching a million dollar business to uh, just about to reach the $2 million mark, which is when I sold the business. And so had we not relocated, uh, we would not have had that particular growth. And I also think had we not merged into one, we never, neither business would have thrived like it could when it became two, right? So, we were finally in our final location, and this is the time that, uh, during the time in our fourth location, that I really learned how to step away from the business to allow the people within it that I had employed in their particular 
management roles to really step up and into their role and take over. And I removed myself from majority of the, or just about all of the operational roles of the business. I worked in the in and on the business 15 hours a week. And in fact, I was so removed that I actually came back and took a front of house shift, I think once a fortnight. I came and did a shift so I could stay connected to the clients and to the team. We'd started employing people that I hadn't met until I would come in and say, oh, hello, I'm the owner, who are you? Um, and so I, I was almost too disconnected. So I came in and, and started to do that front of house shift to stay connected to the business. Um, I then, of course, started my own family, and I was home with the kids a little bit more, well, a lot a bit more, but, um, and I'm not sure that I would do this again, and of course, because my brain now had a little bit of space, it decided to start something new, and uh, I started to build another business. Anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> that's another whole journey, but um, again, I think, you know, for me, that was a little bit of shiny object syndrome rather than just being present to where I, where I was and where I was at. Anywho, the goal at this point, when we moved into this final location, I set myself a five-year goal. And the five-year goal was at the end of the five-year period, I would be able to do one of two things. I was either going to duplicate and develop further brands, uh, further locations, and try that again, or I would sell and move on to something else. Either way, I knew I needed to work myself out of the business and have, again, this consolidation period of optimizing all of the things inside of the business, the operations, the team, the way that we did things, the way that we sold things, and uh, and its profitability, and all of those things. I need to, needed to really hunker down and focus on that so I could make that choice one or the other way to um, duplicate or to sell and move on to doing something else, all right? So I was inspired to tell the story and I probably have told parts of that story before uh, on the podcast, but I see so many salon owners like me jump into opening a second salon, in my opinion, too fast. And I want to save you, if this is you, and you have been thinking about this, my mission in life is to help salon owners ditch the overwhelm that I think plagued me in my journey towards success, because I think there is a better way. I promise you there is a better way to do things in a more orderly manner um, and to put the right steps in place so you can have the success that you're after without the overwhelm without the fear and uh, without the stress, quite frankly. And so you don't get to that point where, you know, on a handful of occasions, you just want to get the hell out like I did. So I want to tell you a little story now that I think is probably the better way to do things, which I finally switched on to in those last five years of business of what it really takes to be ready to have multiple salon locations, a portfolio of brands, if you will. So let's go back to, let's go back to the story. Well, first things first, I am married to a builder. And when we got married, my mother-in-law said to me, you know, Larissa, uh, you will never live in a finished house. I said, what? What do you mean? <laughs> she too is married to a builder. My husband's father is a builder, as, as is the brother. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to say. 
And I want to sort of share the story of what she actually meant and how it relates to growing a business. Now, when I, uh, when before my first child was born, I moved into the house with my husband that he had built. And when he first built that house, he bought the section, he built it from scratch. He, the first thing he did was build a bedroom. He built a room, four walls with a roof and had a little sort of makeshift camper kitchen in there. And he just moved in. He was a single guy, moved in and lived in the bedroom. And he built that house around himself. He next built, I'm actually not sure the order, he built a kitchen and he built a bathroom and then maybe a lounge and another bedroom. And he built it around himself, you know, in and out and in between his day job. So by the time I moved into the house, it was a fully, fully functioning house. But to be honest, it wasn't finished. It was far from finished. There were bits and nooks and crannies that weren't done. And there were things because he'd built it from scratch that he'd uh, makeshift patched up. God, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, that he had patched up to be cost effective. And do you know what? It was a beautifully designed house. He designed it himself. It was a designer house, uh, albeit not finished. The landscaping wasn't done. There was no driveway. And uh, it continued to get built and sort of worked on uh, while we tried to raise our children in there. Meanwhile, the walk-in wardrobe became a baby bedroom and we would shift and move things around, right? As need, patched it up as we needed. And I think that when we own a business, we kind of do the same, right? We are so in our own goldfish bowl and we develop things and patch them on as we need. We build room by room or floor by floor, floor if we're thinking about a high-rise building, as we need it. We see uh, the next problem or the next gap or the next opportunity and we think, oh, we need one of those. We're having a baby. We need to have another bedroom. Let's build one. And I think we do this in our business. Oh, we're fully booked. We need to have another stylist. Let's uh, knock down that wall and we'll have another we'll have another station or whatever, whatever it may be, right? Well, I think there's, I mean, it's, it's a good reasonable way to do business. It makes sense. But I think also where when we start to think about duplicating or we start to think about the long-term future of our business, I think we're cutting ourselves a little bit short. Now let's take this analogy. My husband now builds houses for other people and this is, this is day job. He builds new houses. And when he does that, he builds it, he does all the landscaping, well, he gets contractors in to do all of those things, he completes it, gets council sign-off, our house, <laughs> we rent that house out now to somebody else, uh, it's been a rental for quite a few years now, still doesn't have council sign-off, like if we wanted to sell it, we couldn't right now, um, it doesn't matter why we rent it, but it's still not signed off, but when you build for somebody else, you sign it off, you get it all completely done on the council, it's all legal, all of the things, and the landscaping's done, there's a nice letterbox, everything is just right and you hand the keys of a completed product to somebody else now why don't we do this in our business why don't we build our business and complete it have all of the pieces done ducks in a row business completed i call it business in a box why do we not build our business like we're going to hand it to somebody else it's because we're in our own own goldfish bowl and we're just building from day by day from one day to the next but i think we're cutting ourselves short right i think unless we build our business to a point where we can hand the keys to somebody else it is completed then 
we haven't completed our business. We are not ready to open another salon. Now, caveat, I don't think your business is ever finished, right? It's a bit like building a dam in a river. There are always going to be new holes created by new opportunities or things that break, and you're always going to have to plug the dam, right? This is how we do it here, is going to change and evolve over time. So even though we build our business in a box, we have this completed uh, beautiful box with a ribbon around it that we could, should, would, hand to somebody else in theory, even if we don't do that, um, we always have to keep the dam plugged. So just quick caveat, it's never completely finished. But I believe for you, in order for you to open your other salon, you need to finish the business that you have. I really do. So I want to talk about some of the things that I want you to get your pen and paper, <laughs> that I want you to think about and I want you to complete before you consider opening another salon. So are you ready? Let's go through the list. Number one, I want you to ask yourself, what is driving you? Are you bored with what you're doing and that you just need something shiny and new to keep you busy or keep you distracted from facing and really working on the things or the problems that you have inside of your business or even inside of your life and that it's a distraction? You're either bored or you're, just, or you're using your business as a distraction for the things that you really need to face up and do. Are you doing it just because you can, because you should, it's the next step or it's the next obvious thing. It's like when you have a baby, people, you know, the, the baby's five minutes old in your arms and people say, when are you having another one? Are you going to have two? Are you going to have five? <laughs> How many babies are you going to have? It's like, oh, hold on a minute. So sometimes we just do it because we can or it's expected or it's the next natural step. Are you driven by a desire to succeed? And my, my question really is, have you really outgrown the space? Have you physically maximized your space that you currently have? Have you, have you maximized all opportunity that you have in your current location? Or is there actually a whole bunch of space to utilize? Uh, are you working seven days of the week? Are you using all of the hours that you're paying rent for? Uh, are your team fully maxed out to the max and you can't physically grow inside of your business? This would be a good reason to open another location. But until you have... Why would you start something new when you're only halfway through a project that you've got? You're not finished. So have a good, long, hard think about what truly is driving you. My next question is, can your business work without you? Um, because if it can't, if the business still relies on you, if you walk into your business and your team asks you, could I, should I, would I, can I, then you're not free. Can you handle double the workload? If you think about the workload that you have uh, and the things that are on your list, the free space that you have, uh, can you handle doubling that? Do you have the space for what it takes to run another version of what you've already got? And if you don't, uh, and you do want to open another salon, what is the opportunity cost going to be? If you fill your time now and double what needs, what is coming from your current business, what is going to give? What can you afford? What's the opportunity cost? What's going to give? Is it your family? Is it your personal time? Is it your sanity inside of your brain? Is it your sleep? I know when I'm overwhelmed and overworked, I don't sleep. Is it the relationship you have with your partner? Is it something that you're doing inside of the business now that is going to have to be forgiven for you to replace that with the time it takes to build a new business? and the time that you have to commit to that. Maybe you're finally doing one-on-ones with your team and they're starting to grow. And if now you double the workload of that, 
will you have time for that? Where will the other things go? Like do a real time calendar check. Can it work without you? And if the answer is no, you've got some work to do. Do you have the right people in place? Now I believe in employing people with more experience than you so they can elevate and lift your business or are better at certain skills than you. Even if they don't have more experience, they're better at, you know, they're good at the things that aren't your sweet spots. Do you have the right people in place? And do you have the right infrastructure in place? Because people will not stay in your business forever. They too will leave. You will be the last man standing. So do you have the right infrastructure in place? So if somebody leaves, that you can replace that person and the rest of the wheels don't fall off. So my other question is, has, is your current business profitable? And if you start a new one, is it going to erode the profitability? Is it going to rely on your current business? Do the finances stand up on their own for this current business? Like actually can it afford, does it even pay you? Do you even pay yourself? I talk to too many owners who are not paying themselves a wage yet are still considering opening another business. If you could get paid more earning somewhere else on the floor as a stylist or a therapist, I really want you to think hard about this, right? Does it pay you as an owner? Does it pay you as a CEO? Does it pay you at all? <laughs> um, it should be, your business should be able to pay you as a star. If you're earning income generating, it should be able to pay you for that role and pay you for the manager's role and the CEO role. And if you don't have that infrastructure in place, you've got some work to do before you consider opening another one, right? Because otherwise it's going to drain every, your new business is going to drain every last cent out of your current one. So you really should be looking for enough cash in the bank to bankroll your next business until it reaches break even, right? And starts to move into profitability. How long will it take you to get it from not profitable to profitable? You need to have that much cash in the bank to bankroll it. Otherwise, where is it coming from? If it's going to drain, if you're going to drain that out of your current business, you are putting your current business at risk. And what's the point of having two unprofitable businesses when you currently either don't have a profitable profitable sell on now or your business is profitable now why put that in jeopardy right will your second location improve your overall profitability or will it lessen your ability to earn profits from your business now without profit i know you might not be financially driven and i'm okay with that but without your business being profitable you become unsustainable for the future you are you you put the stakeholders at risk who are the stakeholders well your clients if your business is not profitable, you can't open the business for them in the future and serve them. Your team, you'll put your team's jobs at risk. And you also put your ability to bring money home and feed your children, the food on the table of your children, you put that at risk. You might not want to have a lavish lifestyle. I don't know about you. I do. I want to have a good lifestyle. But even if you don't, you do not want to put uh, your business at risk. The other thing is when you are profitable, you actually gain momentum. When you can have the reward, it's natural human behavior. If you can gain reward, whatever it is, then you stay in forward momentum. When your business is not profitable, it's stressful, it's overwhelming, um, and there is no reward, then you easily lose momentum and you, you uh, become upset or stressed by your business. This is not a good mindset to be to drive to be a person that drives success do you know like when you are 
on a downward spiral, you are actually, it's much easier to stay in the downward spiral. Why work hard and thrash all the hours when there's no reward? But when you are actually rewarded properly for your business, however that looks for you, it actually drives momentum, it drives forward energy, and you want to do the things that need to be done in your business. So don't uh, take that away from yourself. Your business needs you to be in momentum, forward momentum and in a growth mindset. You need to be rewarded as well as be sustainable. Does that make sense? Also, before you op open a second business, <laughs> I want you to have these nine pillars in place. I want to take you through the nine pillars of salon mastery. If you want to master the business of running a sustainable business that is future-proofed, you need to have these nine pillars in place. I'm going to, I'm going to go through this quickly. You know, there's a lot in those nine pillars, but I want you to have a basic understanding of it, right? So number one, let's talk about uh, your ability to grow and attract dream clients. The first one is that you have a good client attraction strategy in place that is replicatable like a tat. You can turn on and off. You need to be able to draw new clients into your business and have a strategy to do that when you need to. If you don't have that in place, how are you going to do that in a brand new business? Number two, also attached to building dream clients. You need to have a great client experience framework that you can uh, that you know that your team will run consistently in your current location so you can duplicate that in your second location, especially if your second location is going to be the same brand. Consistency builds a brand. And if you can't do that consistently in location number one, you will not be able to do it in location number two. Also under the umbrella of uh, attracting, dream, attracting and caring for dream clients is your ability to uh, sell. I know that you think that you sell haircuts or facials, uh, but you actually sell the time of your team and you actually sell. You are a salesperson. So you need to have a framework that's going to allow you to coach your team to smash sales, consultations that convert, the consult yeah, a system for consultations because that's where the sale happens, and strategies to help and grow your team to be able to smash sales and to... Uh, incentivize clients to come back right so that's the first three to be able to attract and keep dream clients you need a system for smashing sales a system for the great client experience and attracting clients into your business all right let's talk about uh number four uh your ability to build a rockstar team uh and and that is to attract and employ great people to have the right people apply, so you employ good people, have a great application process, but also induct people into your way of doing business quickly and promptly so they can get up to speed in, you, in your way of doing business in your brand. So they become part of your brand quickly and efficiently. Otherwise, it's really expensive, right, to employ new people. You need to have a framework around building a winning culture. Now, not just any culture, like you need a great team culture you know, that people love each other, communicate well, but also a culture of forward-thinking culture, a vision for where each team member belongs in your business. And so each team member sees your brand firmly in their future, like a development program, so that they have a career path, and they have a good training plan, and they have a way to earn good money, not just today, but in the future, a vision. 
you need a framework around becoming a great motivating manager. How do you become the best boss possible so you can retain your staff without getting overwhelmed and stressed? Uh, strategies to good communication strategies as a manager, clear definitions around you as the manager, or if you have a manager in your business that they have clarity around their goal, uh, around their role, sorry. Um, so you can have a motivating uh, environment. All right, the last three steps are all around your ability to step into your role as a salon CEO. And I think the first one is that you have mastered your inner CEO, that you understand your role as a CEO, have the ability to create a strategic game plan and uh, have the discipline to do your role. What happens often in salon owners is we're wearing too many hats. We're wearing the stylist or therapist hat, we're wearing the manager's hat. And what happens is there's no room for the CEO hat. You need clarity around your role as a CEO so, and a good, clear mindset for success. So I call that mastering your inner salon CEO. You also want a framework around power, uh, profits. I call it powerful profits because if you are in the know and have clarity around your numbers inside of your business, uh, not only do you have the tools to become profitable, but when you know your numbers, you actually get to sit in the power seat. You can make good, data-driven decisions that are for the best of the business and you don't have to rely on making emotional decisions around your spending or strategic moves that you need to make in your business. Like opening a second business now becomes not an emotional decision, but actually a logical business decision, right? Powerful profits. Last but not least, I call this number nine is smooth operations, a framework for smooth operations. And I believe that systems and processes shall set you free. And if you want to be free from business number one, so you can go and open business number two, you need to have good systems and processes in place for your team to follow. And then it's your job to own and manage the systems and processes so your team have clarity around what they could, should, would be doing in the business. Because if you walk into your business right now and your team throw fireballs at you, could I, should I, would I, can I? And you have to rely on your memory, your time and your response to those people to run your business. You do not have a good, smooth operational framework in place. And I do not want to see you open another business until you have this in place. Otherwise, you're going to go insane like I did and you'll be driving bottles of 20 vol all around the place. I don't want that for you. <laughs> all right. So that was a quick quick, quick summary into the nine pillars of seller mastery. I believe if you have the solid foundations in place for these things, then you have something solid to build upon. And it's from that that you can successfully build a second location, a second brand that can truly work without relying on your memory of how things should be, right? So that was a lot. I know that was a lot to take in. Um, but if you want to talk through uh, thinking about opening a second location. If you want me to talk you off the, off the ledge, <laughs> I promise I won't talk you out of it, but I will talk you through it, right? If you want to get your business finished in a place, what I call business in a box and hand the keys over so you can truly open another business from a good functional place. So you can open another business, another brand um, from a place of consistency and organization then come, come and talk with me. Let's find out if you're ready to take the leap. And if you're not, but you'd like to one day, well, this is actually exactly how I help 
salon owners. This is what I do on a daily basis. Help you complete the business, put all the nine pillars of the Salon Mastery Foundational Program uh, into place so you can build your business in a box, put a beautiful row on it, bow on it, and hand the keys over. Even if you're handing the keys over to your other self or your second location or your manager, um, but also you've got the choice to sell, right? You can sell, you can just enjoy the way that it is, or you can duplicate. When you have your business in a box with a beautiful bow on it with a set of keys, sell. You can duplicate. Or you can just enjoy business from a stress-free point of view and see it run like clockwork. So I'm interested to know actually what resonated with you the most from this episode. What was the bit that struck the chord? What was the piece that you needed to hear today? Um, reach out, let me know. You know you'll always find me in Messenger. It's where I hang out most of the time. Uh, otherwise, I'm in the Profitable Successful Salon Owners Facebook group. You can reach out to me there. But if you want to chat about getting some help with your business, to complete the business, to duplicate the business, whatever it is that you need, uh, and something about today's episode re resonated with you, then let's chat. Let's hop on the call and uh, chat about it and let's see if I'm the right person to help you achieve and reach your goals. And if not, maybe I'll know somebody who could, should, would be the right person to chat with. So, great. All right, I look forward to connecting with you in your earbuds again, same time, same place next week. And until then, ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.